I'm Benny. And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love and sometimes hate of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this this is Backstage Backstage Biddies. Gobble, gobble, biddies. <laughs> we're not going to talk about that holiday today, are we? Well, I mean, it's I feel like we're not... doing every holiday except Thanksgiving today. <laughs> You're right. So, like, why not add in one more? I suppose. Um, You know what you should be doing on this holiday? Much like any other holiday regarding any colonizer uh, in America. Giving money to indigenous people. There's, you should do that. You should also, um, research what local tribes lived in your area and, um, seek out some information from some local homies. Like I know in our area, one of the main tribes is Ho-Chunk. Did you know that you can legally forfeit your land back to native tribes? No. There's like a whole form for it. I mean. It doesn't change anything about your living situation. It just means the land belongs to them again. Hmm. Yeah. So if you own property, you should hella do that. Well, there you go. Or don't. Look into the ramifications of right, that for yourself. In, right, like, right, 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 right. I recommend it. It's stolen. You should give it back. Well, hello. <laughs> um, and also, let us never forget that Thanksgiving was about a bunch of massacres and... That's gross. You know what I just recently found out about Christopher Columbus? God, what? Other Spanish settlers took him back across the ocean because they thought he was too violent. Yeah. The Spanish Inquisition scooped him back up and were like, hey, you went too far. The Spanish Inquisition. Oh, I know. Just for those who don't, the Spanish Inquisition was wildly violent. So, like, these are, like, people who, like, fully murdered people, enslaved people, tortured people to torture people. And they looked at this guy and was like, whoa, dude. To the point where, like, they took him back across the pond and then, like, stripped him of all of his titles and and accomplishments. Mm -hmm. They were like, you don't get to keep any of these stars of honor. Because you fucking murdered a bunch of people. Yeah, so I don't exactly know how, like, Columbus Day happened. Um, But let me be clear. Never deserved a day doesn't, isn't celebrating that day anymore. In this household, we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. Exactly. And Christopher Columbus can eat shit. Yeah. Speaking of eating, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So I think my favy is, uh, there's so many. So I love, I love me some squash and I love me some of my grandma's cranberry relish. You do like your relish. 
I do. It's specific. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't. And there's something about, like, growing up and loving bitter things. <laughs> um, Us bitter in our old age? Never. Never. Uh, except always. <laughs> so, I... Yeah, I think that that I think that that might be it. Also, I hear that there is turkey shortage. Is there a turkey shortage? Because well, that's fine. It tastes like dry napkins, and it makes me sleepy. A shitload of them like died of like cholera. No, the bird flu. Did you hear we had cholera in Florida this year? Yeah. Listen, the plagues are coming for us, kids. My God. I feel like this movie that we're going to be doing is very apropos. What is yours? Speaking of plagues, um, my favorite is, I don't know, Ross's family makes the most bomb Thanksgiving food you've ever had in your entire life. I mean, they all make like real good food. Oh my God. Um, I always look forward to grandma's deviled eggs at Christmas. She's the only one who makes deviled eggs that I will eat. They are good. I've had them. They're so good. I've had other deviled eggs, and I'm always like, I don't think I like this. It's just, it tastes like a weird whipped chalky egg, and I don't like it. Grandma's going to need to get you her recipe. I know. At some point. Oh, my gosh. Well, Mom has it already. Oh, well. So it's in good hands. So long as somebody has it. Yeah, we're good there. Um, They also make scalloped corn every year, which is delicious. It's like a corn cake, corn casserole kind of vibe. I haven't had scalloped corn in a minute, and I love it. And they make a million different carbs, these massive dinner rolls that I have not been able to replicate, even though Grandma insists that they're just like rise and bake dinner rolls from the store. She's lying to me. I know she is. And even if they are... She put them in her magic oven. Yeah, and you she can't does something special that. with them. I don't know. I don't know. She times them so they rise right or whatever. I don't know. She's tricky like that. So what I'm hearing is, um, it's carbs. My favorite food is carbs. <laughs> I am gonna show up to Thanksgiving this year. I mean, yeah, you're always welcome. That's what I heard. That's, That's what, what I, I said. I, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need a plate <laughs> or or two. So, well, tell the kids what the hint is today. The hint. Is apocalypse. Apocalyptica. Apocalyptica. That's a drag race reference. It is. Are people who listen to this podcast also drag fans? Are we making references you don't understand? Sound off in the comments. I don't know. I so I met this gal yesterday. Um she works for my old job. Okay. And she um, got her photographs done for marketing purposes and such. And in sure. the group photo, she looks orange. She's a black woman and <gasps> she looks orange. Oh no. Her solo picture looks stunning. And I had to stop myself from saying, girl, look how fucking orange you look. Yeah. Ah! I had to stop myself because I was like, you know, I just... You're going to sound really insensitive if you say that out loud yep, right now. I was like, bitch, look how orange you look. I was not going to do that because... Bitch, I'm not joking. Because, um, could be insensitive. Yeah, oh yeah, could for be, sure. It's like that one time... So, okay, real quick. One time I went to a Walgreens and typed in my phone number for the rewards thing. And uh, my legal name is Brittany. No one calls me that. Don't call me that anyway. 
And the gal asked, oh, is it Brittany or Christine or something? Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's Brittany. And then I went, haha, it's Brittany, bitch. <laughs> the cashier. Didn't understand. Did not know the reference. Which, by the way. Disappointing. She looked to be like maybe 10 years older than we are. So she should have gotten the reference. You should have gotten that right. She looked appalled and aghast. And I was like, no, 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 no. Oh my God, no. I was like, it's it's in a Britney Spears song. And she's like, what? And I was like, it's Britney, bitch. It's like a whole thing. Like in in her, yeah. in a song of her. Goop, I, do you want me to look it up? Like I, I, <laughs> like, I felt so bad because this woman was like, did you seriously just call me a fucking bitch yeah i did i did if you don't know this reference yeah you might as well take it that way so sometimes kids you gotta watch it because other people won't necessarily know your references well hopefully you guys are getting our references but even if if, even if you're not uh what the fuck are we talking about today today we're talking about an apocalypse a zombie apocalypse started by a plague yikes a virus that they didn't know what was going to fully happen. Mm. And if, if, oh, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't get like weird flashbacks no, from this, like the past few years. This musical gives me war flashbacks. I was like, I don't know why we had to do this. Um, so, I will tell you why we had to, but tell them what the title is first. So the title is Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah. The 2017 movie musical. Yeah. So this happened in 2017, like way before... Way ahead of COVID. Three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well in advance. But it's a Christmas zombie musical. Yeah. So I picked it for this month because it's like November is the weird in-between month where we have like a pretty lame holiday, but we're also right in the middle of like Halloween and Christmas. And everyone complains about how early you celebrate one or how late you celebrate the other. And now we're celebrating both. Mm-hmm. Booyah. Ha-cha-cha. So this film was released September 22nd, 2017. It was directed by John McPhail. Screenplay by Alan McDonald and Ryan McHenry. Cinematography by Sarah Deanne. And music by Roddy Hart and Tommy Riley. The cast was Ella Hunt as Anna, who's our leading lady gal. Uh, Malcolm Cumming as John, her bestie. Sarah Swire as Steph. The badass. The badass gay icon that I do enjoy. Legend hero and savior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christopher Laveau as Chris. Bless his heart. So Christopher played Chris. He's like a photog video nerd. And he likes to keep things light and fun uh, throughout all the shenanigans. He's a precious babe. We've got Ben Wiggins as Nick. Who is a douche. Yeah. <laughs> but we come around on him eventually. Or maybe you don't. I guess it's a personal thing. Um, Mar- Marley Sue as Lisa. Whom I also love. She's a sexually active band nerd. Yes. I think she's a theater kid, really, more than anything, but, like... Yeah, she's a theater kid. She is also dating Chris. But the active words are sexually active. (laughs) Mark Benton as Tony, which is the father of Anna. And uh, uh, Paul Kay as Arthur Savage, the (laughs) vice 
headmaster person um, of this. I don't know what they're called. It's a vice either. principal. This is this because takes this whole place thing in is, Scotland. Yeah, the whole thing is like an English musical. Yeah, it's not an American show. So right. So I don't know. The, some of the terms are different. I don't know what they call it, but he's the principal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for production, the inspiration for this was like zombie musical meets high school musical. Yeah, it's very like Night of the Living Dead meets like after school Christmas special meets high school musical. Right. So the director, um, John McPhail had said that the influences for this film were West side story, Rocky horror breakfast club, Buffy, the vampire slayer. Ooh, big Buffy vibes. Mm-hmm. Specifically the musical episode. Yeah. Once more with feeling, which we have to cover. We do. We do. We should keep it on the list for next Halloween because, as we discovered this year, there's a a real dearth of uh, <laughs> good Halloween stuff. Yeah. And he also said that he includes a nod to the zombie films Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, The Evil Dead. Um, you can see them. Yeah. The Happiness of the Catacurus. I believe you. I'm not familiar with that one. Neither am I. It came out in 2001. Oh. Um, and Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. So you can you can taste all of it. I even think there's a Night of the Living Dead poster for this movie with like Anna with her candy cane sword thing in her hand like on top of a car. Yes. I think that poster is out there somewhere. Yep. And this the production was primarily based in the former building of St. Stephen's High School in Glasgow. Cool. Which is pretty pretty sweet. On so locale. they like yeah they did like an on location kind of filming. That's mm-hmm. neat. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of sad, but the in 2013, this movie had already been like started going. They were starting production sure. back in 2013, um, but development was halted when McHenry, one of the writers, was diagnosed with cancer. Oh my God. Um, after entering remission, he returned to work on the project with McDonald. And, but in May of 2015, he passed away. Oh my God. Yeah. <clears throat> so they continued to develop the project and the film was dedicated to him who died two years before the film's release. Listen, dedicated projects always seal the deal. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. always go the extra mile. So shout out to Ryan McHenry um, for creating a, being a part of like a, a, a neat film. A really neat film that I think personally really stands up. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. Um, there wasn't much in regards to reviews for this movie. Reasonably so. Right. It's not a blockbuster film by any means. It's not part of a franchise. It's not a recognizable commodity. Right. So it does have an average rating of 77%. Could be higher. Could be higher. It's based off of 122 ratings. So not that's bad. not bad. Um, and basically the consensus is that Anna and the Apocalypse finds fresh brains and a lot of heart in the crowded zombie genre, not to mention a fun genre mashup populated by rootable characters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
you want these kids to succeed. You yeah. want. Oh my God. There's a line in happen. the sand during this musical where like we cross a line at some point and I'm like, oh no, I'm so invested in all of these people. All of them. And oh boy. It happens so quickly. Oh boy. It's crazy. So this was not a stage production. This was just a movie. Right. This has never been like a live musical on stage. It's never had like a live tour or even like shadow cast things. Literally none of that. So today, instead of that history, I'm going to talk to you about the seven monster theses. So this is from a educator, a professor, a philosopher, I don't actually know what his actual title is, named Cohen, last name Cohen. The seven monster theses are, the monster's body is a cultural body, the monster always escapes, the monster is the harbinger of category crisis, the monster dwells at the gates of difference, the monster polices the borders of the possible, fear of the monster is really a kind of desire, and the monster stands at the threshold of becoming. These seven theses are meant to encapsulate like how you define a monster, how monsters are created, what they're born from, how they die, how they change, because monsters are always a representation of a cultural fear, right? Like vampires are a fear of human sexuality. Um, werewolves and vampires often share a coded fear of like the AIDS crisis in particular, especially when you're talking about vampires, but werewolves as well with like sharing blood and it causes a disease. So all of these things represent different cultural fears and they change over time. Zombies are like the newest addition to that category. And I think it stems from a fear of losing our established culture and society, particularly through medical means. But I know like the zombie apocalypse shares a lot of traits with like the robot uprising with like losing our humanity and our culture to robots and being replaced by them or being overtaken by them or things like that. I think the, the zombie trope kind of shares a lot of things with that. Um, there are fun theses like the monster always escapes, which means like, even if you kill the monster, you've become the monster. So the monster survived, like the monster escaped or monsters that can't be physically conquered, like a virus or in this movie in particular, like there are several moments where like, there is no coming back. Like once you've become a zombie or been bitten or whatever like it's over and you have to make your peace with it like there is no cure and it moves quickly yeah so i personally love the monster theses i think they're so cool i think they're so interesting and they really help you frame like the social framework of monsters and why they exist and how we use them to tell stories i've always thought they were really interesting yeah do you have a favorite monster trope So I think my knee-jerk reaction when you said that was, I, I love me some vampire nonsense. I also love vampires. They're every, my favorite. Every single time. I think it's because they tend to skew gay. That would make a lot of sense. Right, because they're the fear of human sexuality in most cases. Yep. And when they're not, 
they're affiliated with the AIDS crisis, which is also gay history. Like, have you watched Lost Boys recently? No, I have not. Lost Boys is such a gay film. Holy shit. It makes, I mean, it makes sense based off of like, it's just like a group of random. A group of sexy dudes who terrorize a bunch of people. Wow. Ooh, and it's so sensuous. And also like, like one of the main plot lines is about a human dude and this one girl who's in this gaggle of vampires. But even that is like so, so gay. Oh, yeah. Lost Boys has got to be one of the gayest. You know what else I watched this year? I had a whole day of just uh, just monster movies. And I watched a whole bunch of werewolf movies one right after the other. Mm. And I watched uh, Ginger Snaps, which is one of my favorite werewolf movies from when I was a kid. And I haven't watched it in so long. I don't know that I've ever seen that. I don't think you would like it. Okay, that's valid. I think you would find it very gruesome and uncomfortable. But I really like gory slasher stuff. Like, entrails all over the floor? Sign me up. That sounds great. If I if Stuff that's made of, like, puffy paint and foam rubber and corn syrup? I'm in. I'm in like Flynn. That sounds great. But I do think Ginger Snaps is, like, a little too gory for you. I don't think you'd like it. Okay. But I also watched um, Cursed with Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg. Okay. It's my favorite werewolf movie of all time, and it gets a little gay right at the end, and mm. I really like that about it. It's got um, Milo, I always get his last name wrong, um, Ventimiglia, the guy from This Is Us, the really hot Italian one. Oh. Um, you know who I'm talking about? I do. He's in that one as well. Um, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorite. Oh, 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 Judy Greer is in it. Oh. oh my god, I love her. She's like my favorite character actress of all time. I just love her to death. She doesn't get her her cherries the way she deserves them. And uh, mm, uh, I just love her. What a good movie. Mm. Is that zombie for... Let's dive into some plot betties. Yeah. Excellent. Good, 10 right? out of 10. No notes. Right? Yeah, right? That's great. That's what That's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we um we come in, we get like a Christmas number off the bat, and it's light and cheery while we're like seeing the production companies fly by. Um, Very and, jingle bellsy. Yeah. And then like when we get to like the title, it the energy shifts hard because it's it's Christmas, but then it goes dark Christmas. So you, so you know some spoops going to happen. So we enter in on Anna, her friend John, in the car um, being taken to school by her dad, Tony. They're having conversations about their future, this, that, the other thing. There's you a radio hear... broadcast about a virus turned zombie plague. Yeah. This movie gets darker and darker every single year because, again, this happened in 2017, well ahead of COVID. So the very top of this musical feels like it could be happening, like, literally today. Because we've had a viral plague that's, like, hung around. It's had some time to mutate. Like, it's doing different things now. It's presenting differently every time. Every single time I watch this, I'm like, oh, oh, no. We're just closer and closer to that reality every fucking year. Yep. 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 So 
We find out, though, that Anna is going to go right on ahead and not go to university. She wants to travel for a year first. She wants to go to Australia. And her dad is, like, really pissed and upset about it. And uh, he makes brief mention of, like, that's not what your mother and I wanted for you. Like, Oh, and she clams what? up real hard. Yeah. Um, it's that whole, like, no, dad, it's your dream trope. Yeah. It wasn't never my dream. That was it's your yours. dream, Dad. Stop trying to live through me. And I hate that trope, but it's really important here. Right. And it's because we, en- we end up finding out that her dad works as, like, I don't, custodial staff or something like that for her high school. Yeah, he's employed there in some capacity. Yeah. Then we meet Steph. You mean who, Draco Malfoy? Yeah. Draco Malfoy um, but as an angry lesbian, so I guess Draco Malfoy. An angry American <clears throat> lesbian. Yes. She is ta- on the phone talking to her girlfriend of like, oh, I was just hoping we could have spent Christmas together because my parents are in Mexico. They left me, so I was hoping to see you. Um, and I guess her girlfriend was like, no. no. Rotten. Bitch. Anyway, um... So she's big mad, right? Rightfully so. I I mean, I definitely get that. Then John and Anna come into school, try and talk to her, and she bolts out the door. She's also, like, one for social causes. Like, we find out that she's scooping up all these presents for, like, a shelter or something. She's writing a human interest piece for the school newspaper on, on a soup kitchen and, like, the real homeless problem that they have in their area. And the fact that, like, everybody over the Christmas time just, like, shrouds it and, like, oh, look, we're helping these people, but right. literally only one time a year. We serve soup one day a year, so our homeless problem is solved. And she's like, that's not what's happening. Right. And she's kind of calling people out for that. We meet Mr. Savage. <laughs> and when we meet him, so I forgot that I had seen this movie. Not shocking. <laughs> but <laughs> but I did and as I'm watching it I'm like no I think I I think I've seen this. It wasn't until I saw that fucker's face that I was like, "Oh, cuz you remembered the rage in your body." Yep, it was familiar. <laughs> I recognized her, I felt her and I was like, "Son of a bitch." He's the worst. And I for I forgot I genuinely like going through this movie. There's a bunch of stuff that I completely forgot that happened. Like a lot of like even the big important stuff. But I knew right off the bat. And I remember like watching this movie for the first time. That the moment I saw him, I hated him. I mean, yeah, it's, it's instantaneous. Like I just hate him so fucking much. He like takes Steph's keys away from her. And for whatever reason, it's some, he, is on a weird power trip this entire film. Yeah. It's gross. And I hate it. So they talk about the fact that he is not the headmaster of this school. but not he's yet, like at least. Right. The next in line. The current headmaster is going to be retiring. He's like wearing a giant button that says, I'm retiring thing in it. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, so we're like, great. Awesome. Yeah, this I, psycho. Ugh, hate him. Yeah. Then we get trapped in the moment. And we get, this is the first musical number. It we is. We get just enough exposition before the first musical number, before our interest starts to wane. Like, it's so well-timed. 
that we get just enough information about all of our characters and all the people that, we, that we've met up to this point. And then we get an opening number about their conflict and their struggle and kind of what they're all facing. And the song is continuing the exposition. Exactly. It expands on it. But now we're doing it in song. So we've kept the attention of like the musical audience that is here to see the movie. And I think the pa- the pacing of this film is really great. Oh my God. It's like, it never falters. And here's the thing, guys. This movie is only an hour and a half long. No, but it's so captivating the whole time. Or like an hour 35 or something. But it, as soon as you feel like, uh, boom, something something happens. Yeah, yeah. Like in this first number, you're about like halfway the th- through the song, maybe three quarters of the way through the song. And then like Anna passes a girl in the hallway who's like coughing. And, and like you're, wheezing and it sounds like a zombie wheeze. You're reminded that like, oh, right, there's a threat present in the room. Right, because we haven't met the threat yet. We right, just we haven't know seen, it's looming. We haven't seen any zombies. We've heard like we've heard on the radio that there's this That's... viral plague that is causing trouble and like leading to real complications. And then we get this cough. Like it's just all these little itty bitty moments that kind of keep you invested and keep again keep the threat like present in in your periphery without right. making it the focus. It's just really precise and really really well done because anna like stops her song and like quick turns around and then it's just a gal struggling with her asthma yeah i mean it's it's good it's yeah after this (laughs) this song very much so was like i'm a teen and drama yeah like that's kind of like what this this musical follows a pretty clear three-act structure the first act is very, like, high school rom-com Christmas movie vibes. Right. And this song, yeah, lands perfectly in the pocket of that, of, like, I'm a teen with teen problems. Exactly. We go to school in our uniforms, and the girl I like doesn't like me, and I'm lonely because my parents left me here, and I have a strained relationship with my father. Boo hiss. Boo hiss. My problems are so big. So that number wraps up. We get to meet Lisa now. She's getting ready for the Christmas pageant and this cute little blue number. Um, and they're talking about the fact like, Anna, are you going to come to the to the show? Are you going to come to the Christmas pageant? And she's like, no, I have to work. That whole Megilla. And Savage is on the stage like, shouting at students and giving them directions and like mocking them it's really gross i just his entire everything is just never in all my days have i met a character that i wanted dead so immediately i was just like what if we just like what if he just slips and falls on something and dies like i know like you you know going into this that it's a zombie movie, so like the minute you meet Savage, you're just like, ooh, God, I hope he dies My at the end. God, get eaten. Like, I really, <laughs> I really just don't like you at all. It's so immediate. God, I hate him. And he has this, again, this issue with pow- like power stuff. Yeah. Because Anna's like talking to Lisa, Savage comes up and is like talking about, when your dad's done with the light bulb, I need him to clean my toilet. He, like, does weird shit like that. And she's like, you know, that's not his job. Yeah, Anna fights back, too, which and I then, think is very good for her. Right. And then Savage is like, because he's like, no, I'm in charge. And she's like, you're not the headmaster. He's like, I will be soon. It's oh, uh, like, okay. 
I'm like, you are having some big major feelings about it. And there's some sort of beef with Anna's dad, Tony. And yeah, Mr. they seem Savage. to have some kind of like pre-existing beef, and some we, kind of argument about, about them. Right. We never learn about it. It just, yeah, I don't know. But yes, then we meet sort of the horny theater kids of the school, and uh, man, do they hit that trope right on the head. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> then we shift. Anna's walking out. She runs into her ex, Nick. Hate him. What an absolute douche canoe. I mean, truly. He, like, flicks food in this one girl's face. He, like, I'm just like, who are you? Who hurt you? It's probably your dad. He could maybe even qualify as a douche rocket. I... Yeah. Is that the step above canoe, you think? Fun me <laughs> In your douche rocket. Um, Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I just... Mm. Hate him. I Yeah, and there's tension there. We don't exactly... We know that they're exes. We don't know why there's tension there. We'll find but out. But there is. It's like it's pretty intense. Palpable. Yeah. Enter into the cafeteria. Why are Lisa and Chris making out? Because they're horny theater kids. It's they their job. Are, uh, but they make out for so long while their friends are just talking. And I know that that's like probably a comedy moment. But I was just like, ew, can I not watch teens make out? Thanks there's, so but much. But there's also the horror movie trope of like the sexually active couple in the friend group. Oh, right. Right. Like, no, fill, I, totally, I totally get it. They fill I mean, so many, there. so many tropes for us here. Like they're absolutely crucial ingredients to the chaos. Yeah, I know. Um, so Steph comes up and is like trying to kind of be like chummy, chummy and a part of this group. And it's yeah, not it's working, not working. Steph at is all. so uncomfortable. Yeah. Just talking to Chris because he's the one who does like the photography and videoing for her stories for the newspaper, for the newspaper and for, for other school classes and things like that. Right. So they're going to go ahead and go to the soup kitchen and the pa- Christmas pageants tonight. And Lisa's like, well, what about me? Like, what about my number? I'm performing it especially for you. And he's like, well, my grand's going to be there and I'm going to make it for your number. Don't even worry about it. Type vibe and deal. Right. Because the thing is, Steph wants to do a human interest piece on the soup kitchen. The principal told her she has to drop it. And she's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to do it. So she decides she's going to circumvent the high school altogether and release a video. She knows Chris needs real meaningful video for his portfolio because a teacher of his was like, hey, you could be really good at this, but everything you film is like ridiculous fluff about like your friends. Right. And Chris is like, but that's my real life. Like, that's what I want to capture. And she's like, you need something real. So Steph takes the opportunity to say, this could be something real you should take this chance and we should do this video together. Then we get this tension between like John and Anna and Nick is sitting at a different table. So the two of them are looking at each other. There's an issue. John is like, I could go say something. And Anna's like, it's not like you could actually do anything anyway. Rough. Then we get the number Hollywood ending, which essentially is just, it's it's a bop. It's a bop. It's a bop. It's oh, a, I love this song. It's a number about like how life doesn't actually have Hollywood endings. Right. Like all of these kids feel like their life is never going to end the way they want it to. Like it's never going to amount to like the cute, perfect, happy ending that they see for themselves in a very like clean cut high school kind of way. 
Exactly, because in this number, we get John singing about the fact that he's into Anna, but she's not into him. Anna is singing about the fact that Nick and her had a thing at one point, and she's mad about it, but like you kind of tell that she still likes him, but something happened. Yeah, there's some kind can't... of unresolved feelings going on. Right. Um, there's school uniforms, but they're doing that thing where they're not all exactly the same thing, no, which I like enjoy. Some, there's some styling going on. Some of them have cardigans, some of them don't. There's like clearly a color scheme and like certain ties they have to wear or whatever, but like things are open for interpretation. They have options. Right. And they're like dancing on top of cafeteria tables and this, that, and the other thing. There's a couple random ass adults. That show, <laughs> they're like teachers, lunch couple ladies. teachers, a lunch lady. Yeah. Um, but they like really pop forward in a giant group of people because again, everyone else is wearing uniforms and they're not. So they stand out really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I only agree. like one or two in any given like shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I love this number. I think it's so fun. I think it's choreography. I think it's very like teen musical. It's great. I mean, I love it. Yeah. From here, Steph goes out to her car, is trying to break into her car because, again, Savage took her keys for whatever fucking reason. Because if you park your car on school property, it becomes school property. And he's a fucking nut job, so he took her car keys. Which literally, uh, legally speaking, is not true. Well, we're going to get to it in a minute. I want to come back to this point about why he took her keys. We'll get there when we get there, but go on. Yep. So Steph is trying to get into her car... And Anna comes out and is like, hey, how you doing? Savage is an asshole. This, that, the other thing. And then Steph is kind of going off about, like, her parents left her here. They, like, moved here and then dropped her off here and then went to Mexico for Christmas. Right, because we find out that her parents moved. She's American. So her and her family moved from the States to here. And then her parents left. Yeah. So she's just been, like, dropped in the middle of nowhere, isolated from everybody. That's why she has, like, such a weird, awkward personality, because she's, like, literally fighting for her life in the middle of nowhere. Right. And, like, how... Are you kidding me? That's so shitty. Why are you doing that? Oh, my God. Why did you leave your kid? I have issues, but obviously it was important for the plot. Right, right, right. So she's bitching about her parents and her mom and whatever. And Anna's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. It's this, that, the other thing. And she's kind of like going off whatever about something. And then Steph's like, well, at least you don't have a mom to fight with about this sort of bullshit. Right. Like you wouldn't know what it's like to have a mom who, who abandoned you or something like that. And then realizes like what she fucking said. Like it very abruptly becomes like battle of the mama trauma. Yeah. And it, we find out, especially in this moment, Anna's mom is dead. She died. She died. We don't know from what. Maybe it was the virus. Like it was probably early on. very sudden, and like because clearly her and dad both have like unresolved feelings about it, like unresolved trauma they haven't dealt with yet. Right, because that's always like a tension and struggle between the two of them is the fact that that's there, but they're not talking about it. Right. And it's like a non sequitur. Like if mom gets brought up, the argument is over. Like they're done discussing things. Yep. So mom's clearly a touchy subject and it is here again as well. So like they end up parting ways, kind of very upset with each other, but we have all these crisp little moments between scenes like this. 
that expand the relationships amongst our principal cast so thoroughly. Very quickly with few words. Right, right. We get so much information in such a brief amount of time. And it helps us relate all of them to each other in a really complete way in such a short amount of time. It's really, really, really good writing. Yeah, and it's also important uh, if you're watching this to pay attention because you're going to miss shit. And that's the thing. Like, this is an original work. Like, this again, this is not a recognizable commodity. These are brand new characters. We don't know anything about them. There's no lore for us to dig in outside of this movie. So, like, the fact that we get all of them in such a short amount of time, we learn so much about them. We learn how they relate to one another. Like, it's just really good writing. It's very good writing. Anna starts crying and, like, walks away from Steph uh, and bumps into this guy. He turns around. <gasps> oh, my God, it's a zombie. Moving on. Moving on. Literally, like, what what we just did, that's, that's a, what happened. It's the exact pacing of the film. They're like, that's a zombie. Clip to the next scene. Because, like, Anna <laughs> did not see him. She, like, because no. she's crying her head's down. She bumped into him. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And just, like, kept going. From here, Anna goes to work at the bowling alley. There's a bachelor party going on bowling she is talking she is talking to john because he is also there he also works there work buddies work 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 anyway so they are talking about life and where they're going from here and this that the other thing as teens do and they're definitely like seniors in oh yeah high school. for sure from here we like flash over to the christmas pageant right and we get yeah. hip-hop penguins. Oh my god, the hip-hop penguin sequence goes on for way too long. Okay, but taking a look at it, this is definitely one of those things where like someone was like, this is so funny. Well, here's the and thing. And they had like an inside something about it, which is why it lasts so long. It does become a running bit. Like we get exactly three scenes with the hip-hop penguins. The first one in the gym where Savage is yelling at everybody and telling them the order of the show and all that. The hip-hop penguins are present in their hip-hop penguin costumes. Yep. So it's the first time we see it. It's a punchline. It's funny. The second time is at the actual pageant when they do the number, which could have been 10 seconds, could have been 15 seconds. It's like a minute long. We get like a whole performance from them. Oh, yeah. Didn't need to happen. Oh, yeah. And then they do come back a third time at the very end. Yep. They've become zombies and died. I, I forget where it is, but it does function on the rule of threes. It is a bit in the show. I understand that it was probably really, really funny to someone. And I'm going to let it slide because it doesn't hinder the story on this one. And this is a really timely movie. Like, this is not too long. I don't get bored. Right. So it's not like they needed to clip out, like, a minute or, you know. So I'm going to leave it, but I do believe... That the penguin number goes on too long. And during... during it's gratuitous. <laughs> right. But also during their number, you get to see Tony and Savage in the booth together. Right. Like and in like, the sound lighting booth at together. At one point, Tony goes to like slide a slider on the light board and Savage smacks his hand. Like, again, we're getting information about their power dynamic. We get more and more information. So like, I'm going to let it slide. I do think it was too long. I'm over it. Then we get Lisa's number. I love the sexy Santa song. It's so... Funny. It's so suggestive. <laughs> it's hilarious. She talks about like unloading his sack. At one point, she like gives the mic stand a full hand job. Yep. It's hysterical. Yep. I'm and everyone like the audience is slowly getting more and more uncomfortable as the number goes, and then you flash over to Chris's grandma B, and she's just bopping along. She's bopping. <laughs> the headmaster that's retiring. He's like. 
doing that white person clap thing. (laughs) Um, And it's just, there are like a few people in the audience that like either aren't getting it or they're like, yeah, I too would like to fuck Santa. (laughs) Um, Do you think Lisa did her own singing? Yeah. I, I tried to look to see if there was anyone else's name associated with the vocals and I couldn't. Okay. I didn't find anybody else either. From my research, I gather that everybody in this film did their own singing. There are no dubbed voices. Yeah, if that's the case, really well done. Yeah. I mean, a lot of strong vocal performances here in this movie. Yeah, I don't... You can tell some of them are, like, kind of finely auto-tuned. Yeah. I don't think... But whatever. I think Lisa has, in my opinion, has the strongest voice out of anybody. Oh, I would have said Steph. Oh, Steph also has a very strong voice. She really kills it in some of these numbers. Yeah, she does. Well, those two, I think, would be the top vocalists. I think you're right. Good, strong voices. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. Especially for this not being, like, a really big right. movie. Or, there are no know. blockbuster names. There are no. There's no stunt casting going on here. But they're all still TV people. I don't really think we have a lot of, like, musical theater actors in this cast. So good on them. Yeah. But anywho, Savage really hates the performance. He thinks Sexy Santa is deplorable, salacious filth. He, like, starts foaming at the mouth with anger. Oh my god, yeah, it's intense. Because he, like, put his little headphones on and was, like, excited for her number. And then she performed. Because I'm sure, like, she has been known as, like, a good performer. He's excited to see something that's good. Certainly. And then all of a sudden, uh, he sees this and is pissed yeah we get sexy santa backup dancers yeah they're shirtless grinding all over the place and like is it appropriate for high school kids no are we aware that these are not high school age children yes which is why i love it and think it's funny that's why it's funny yeah but he storms out of the sound booth he like rips off the headphones and he's like i'm gonna kill her and he storms backstage. And when he backstage. says, I'm going to kill her. Oh, I believed it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to kill her. Like. No, it was not an idiom. No, it was like, it was I am going threat. to rip her fucking heart out of her goddamn chest. How dare she do this to me? Yeah, to him. Exactly yeah, that. Exactly to him that. and not like, how dare she do this? Oh, man. Or how dare she do this to me? Like, I just. So he's storming backstage and he like passes a door that leads outside and there's someone rattling the door. Yeah, and he just starts shouting at the door. He's like, quit that, and starts walking away. And then it does it again. And he's like, I'm warning you. And I'm like, what in the fresh fuck? He gets real, real close to the door and gets like very sinister. And he's like, whoever is shaking that door, stop right now. And then it stops. And he opens the door. And there's no one there. And then he shuts the door and we get a shot of the building from the outside. And there's like blood all over the back of the doors. Like hand blood smears. And like around the the corner out of Savage's line of sight, there's more like blood smeared across the side of the building. Again, it's this really high, campy, fun energy with like this sexy Santa number. And like we're bickering and we're bantering and we're at the bowling alley and we're doing this, we're doing that. It's all very haha, funny high school musical with these little itty bitty splinters of like danger. Because also something to note, Chris didn't make it for her number. 
no, he didn't make it to the show. So he didn't make it to the show. And then you see this blood outside and you're like, where the fuck is Chris? Where are Chris and stuff? What's going on? Something's happening. And it's like this. Something bad. <laughs> but there's also like a fun musical number happening at the same time. And you rising just... tension, rising tension. Yes, 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 yes. We go back to the bowling alley. Again, John and Anna are talking about things. They're dicking around and putting shoes away because they're they've closed up for the night. John accidentally goes to throw a shoe into like this bin for the shoes that need to be cleaned. Fully hits this cleaning woman in the back of the head. Knocks her out. Her name is Mrs. Hinsman. Yes. And he just knocks her out cold. <laughs> yeah. From here, it's a very quick clip um, over to John and Anna after they've left work and they're like doing snow angels in this like playground thing. It's and it's really just, sweet. It's very precious. And it's, they're talking about their different stuff, like different stuff and things like that. And they're trying to name all of the reindeer um, of Santa's. I and, can't remember. And then John says, there's definitely an olive. Olive the other reindeer. Yep. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Olive the other reindeer. No. It's a movie. Wow! Look at that. Yeah. I wonder if it's a musical. Hmm. Maybe we should investigate. I don't. I genuinely don't know. I've only seen it like maybe twice. I didn't even know it was a thing. So huh. here we go. I remember it being good. Maybe we should look it up. I wonder. Also, what do you think the snow was made out of? Hope. I'm betting asbestos. It's 2017. They knew about like how bad asbestos. No, is no. At as this an point. odd to the, as a nod to the Wizard of Oz. Ah, oh, asbestos. Got to be asbestos. Asbestos. You know. There's no other way to create snow, frankly. That's industry tradition. How long? Don't you know? <laughs> In reality, it was probably like I don't know, like powdered rice or something. Yeah. So they're cute and precious, and we leave off with them playing in the snow. Bam! Next morning. We've Anna wakes up and she's like, oh my God, I'm late for school. She wakes up at 8.30. Yeah, so she rushes out the door, but then comes back for her advent calendar chocolate. And I was like, me Atta fucking girl. too. Atta, you're already Absolute, late. You're I mean, already late. You get that You treat. might as well be late with chocolate. That's what I'm saying. What are you going to do? Also, a thing that I noticed, and I don't know why I noticed this, and I don't know why I was like, couldn't have someone done something about that? The candle next to her bed is a three-wick candle, and it has not been lit at all. At any point. I'm so sorry. Maybe it's because I get a I get a candle and I want that fucker lit the second I get home. I think it's the millennial habit of like making candles into houseplants. Yeah. You know how like dogs are the new children and plants are the new pets? Yep. And candles, candles are, the are the new, new houseplants. It's that millennial urge to be like, why didn't anyone tend to that candle? <laughs> I'm like, why didn't anybody light this? It's just sitting there. Because it was a prop, Benny. The top is off. <laughs> it's just Oh, fresh. you know why? It was probably a continuity thing that they were like, it has to be the same, so we're not going to touch it. No, but they could have. They. What I'm saying is, is that not that the candle needed to be lit then because she was sleeping. No, but sleeping. If, you, if you light it and it's like, what if you have to do multiple takes and it's burnt down further in one take than it is in the other? No, then time's I'm, not linear anymore. You know what I mean? No, no, no. What I am saying is they should have lit it so that way it looked like the candle had been used. Oh, and then left it alone. Yeah, and then not oh, touched it. Oh, that would have made more sense. Well, I don't know. Because guess... it could not be lit because she was asleep. And if you are sleeping with candles lit, 
Well, listen, I'll get Anna on the phone and I will personally ask Anna, her. <laughs> what the fuck is the deal with it? Is it a candle that your mom gave you? And so you don't want to light it because you don't want it to go away. Oh my God. That's what it is. What's, what's the subplot with this candle? <laughs> Clearly we're missing something. Someone get on the horn. We need to figure this out. So Anna pops in her headphones and she's, She's out the door. She's out the door. She's singing. She's vibing. Not paying attention to anything. She's like, life is going to be great today. I love this song. It's such a fun, upbeat number. But as she moves through town, there's like chaos unfolding behind her. You just see a giant like cloud of black smoke happening. Every like, And it slowly starts to build. So you see like this one person running out of their house. And you're like, oh, that's kind of odd. And then you see like a couple more people running. And you're like what the fuck? And you're seeing decorations and things that are like Christmas decorations broken. On fire. Then there's like something on fire. Then you, you start are, to see zombies you coming. You hear somebody scream. Like it, it piles up on itself as she moves down the street and you get and kind of a wider and wider shot of the street. Exactly. And she's like singing this fun boppy number. I too am completely oblivious with my headphones in, Anna. So like I get it. So is John. <laughs> so is John. Because he plugs in. He's wearing his light up Christmas sweater again. I love that sweater. He is so jazzed about everything. And he's like, yeah, today's going to be different. I don't know why the fuck they both woke up feeling that way, but they did. Right yeah. on. Couldn't be me. And also, if she woke up late for school, was he not also late then? Must have been. Maybe because they were up too late in the asbestos talking about olives. Or are they going to work? Because I think it's Christmas Eve. Hmm. So maybe they were headed to work and not school? Mayhaps. Unsure, but they are definitely late. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're late, whatever they are. They still decide to dance their way all the way through the graveyard where they meet up. And they're like dancing their... at each other, singing a song, <laughs> and it's, it's super it's so cute. Fun. This movie looks like it was so much fun to film. Oh, yeah. Like, they just look like they're constantly having a blast. Yeah. It's very cute. The joyous moments are very joyous. I really like that about it. And we need these joyous moments because in a bit, <laughs> to be brutally honest with you guys, I did, in fact, cry during this movie. Oh, my God. I cry. I watch this musical every single Christmas. I cry every single time. And it's not like a, oh, house. It's like. It's, it's either bittersweet or sad, and that's it. Yeah, like it's, I mean, it's just a really moving, well-written, well-done movie. Sad. Sorry, not sorry. But sad. this moment is very light and fun. This is very cute. Um, Then there's like this guy like toddling along. And In then, a snowman costume. And just, boom, falls over on his face, and that's like the end bump of the number. Yeah, it, he lands right on the button. I love that timing. Then Anna goes over and she's like, I'm a first aider. I can help. I'm going to flip you over and da, 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 whatever. F- like tries to help flip this guy over. Oh my God, it's a zombie. And she just takes her backpack without even thinking and bitch slaps him with a backpack. Doesn't waste even a second. And then she's like, oh my God, what the fuck was that? And John is there also saying, what the fuck was that? And then this zombie in this snowman costume gets up and starts coming after them. Yeah, very slowly. Yeah, so like a slow totter, but he's, you know, persistent. And in a zombie apocalypse, would you rather have fast zombies or slow zombies? I would prefer slow because I am slow. Yeah, I'll be honest. Fast zombies are terrifying. 
because not only is there nothing you can do after you've been like infected or bitten or whatever, but also there's like no reasonable way to escape them unless you're like really fit. Yeah. Slow zombies, I'm not going to lie. If I can find like a high enough perch where I can sustain myself and like still get provisions in some safe way, I'm probably going to survive. Because slow zombies aren't that hard to escape. Because the, the thing with slow zombies is they don't, they don't need rest. Yeah, they don't stop. That's the thing. Right. They don't stop and they pile up and like form barriers yeah yeah you know that's the scary thing about slow zombies right the the scary thing about zombies is the inevitable right like they are coming they aren't stopping they will get you eventually like that's what's scary about them right but then when you add speed to it i'm like so what you're essentially doing is you're then taking what to me would be like a vampire without giving a shit if they're found out and wanting to bite everybody and turn everybody into a vampire. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like if vampires weren't allergic to the sun. Yeah. You know, like what's the point? They don't it's have too a much. they don't have a weakness. You've taken away like their their main weakness. Too well much. now there's no struggle. Yeah. At some point I think I would prefer fast zombies because at what point do you give in and say like, I'm not gonna survive this apocalypse. Yeah. Wouldn't it's you rather of- it be quick? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I don't know. Well, because, like, some people, like, get bitten, and then they're still human for a bit and can go off, and then they're not, like, ripped apart by zombies because they still are, like, human Yeah. for a bit. And then they turn into a zombie. So I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't tough know. Tough call, tough call. So they're, like, walking. This guy's following them. And they just keep randomly smacking him and he's not going away. And they get to this playground and there's a seesaw. Anna goes over and she's like, stand right there, John. Don't move. So he's like, what the fuck? And she's like, just trust me. So he's standing there being bait for the zombie. Yeah, she uses him as bait, which we do not address. But like, what a shit move. Whatever. And... Um, he, the zombie comes walking by and she takes a seesaw and goes whack. She slams it down and pops the zombie's fucking head off and it flies off like a, like Like a a champagne. Oh my God. It's so funny. And there's like corny blood that spews out of his neck. Yep. Oh, I, I, I cackle every time that death is so funny. John freaks out. Uh, rightfully so. Uh, yeah, she just decapitated a guy. Yeah. Also, Anna is in stark denial that these are zombies. Yeah, she, okay, so, like, then she's like, no, that's not, it's not a zombie. That's crazy. Because John just keeps saying, we're in the middle of a fucking zombie apocalypse? And at one point, she even says, like, that's stupid. She's like, that's stupid, that's not real. That's not what we're doing. So you just pop someone's fucking head off, and I know for a fact, like, her, she probably has dissociated. She's like, nope, I didn't do that. That didn't happen. This isn't real. No, she's in pretty pretty deep survival mode here, but, like, oh, my God. Bitch, you pop someone's head off. If you think that's a normal guy and you just, like, popped his head off like a daisy, oh, my God, Anna, we have got some real things to talk about in therapy today. Anna, how did your mom die? <laughs> Answer me quickly. Um, yeah. So 
and the thing too is, is that his head is just still sitting there, still going, still animated. Like, yeah, because you didn't smash his brain; you just popped his head off of his body. Girly pop, that's a zombie. Yep. <laughs> and she's like, "Huh? Well, let's take a look at our phones and see if we can find any research or do anything." She's very calm, very collected, and John is like, oh, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> then we have a series of really hysterical jump cuts it's very funny so they don't have any signal on their phone and they are deciding where to go what to do they're like we can't risk going home we're too far away from home at this point but i bet things are calmer downtown jump cut to the town like capitol building there's a a christmas tree on fire chaos everywhere and they're like oh no and they're just (laughs) sitting there in silence watching this tree burn oh my god it's so funny and then john peels a banana and just starts eating it <laughs> and anna looks at him and is like what like, potassium what the fuck and he's like what it's potassium well he's right you got to keep your strength up through the apocalypse oh, you do you do so then they're like okay well let's not freak out i'm sure our, let's find our parents they're probably still at the high school they'll, they'll know, know what, what to, to do. do jump cut to a group of parents just like panicking grabbing at water bottles like stealing provisions from each other absolute chaos at the school oh my god the jump cuts are so well timed they're so funny it's great and this entire time too like savage is trying to like take control of the adults and he's yeah like, he's like i've oh, created chaos like, i will be your savior right and he's like i um have created a makeshift office over by the vending machine it's just a chair sitting next to the vending machine he really thinks he's done something. <laughs> he's like, don't worry. We're just supposed to wait here for the army, and it's going to be fine. Right. So the game plan right now is that everyone who's still alive in the city reports to the high school, and then the military, who has a base, like, literally in the same town, yep, will swoop in and escort people safely out of the high school to somewhere else. Right. So... Then we flip back to the bowling alley and John and Anna go in uh, and we find out that Steph and Chris are there. Yeah, because after craziness happened at the soup kitchen, someone crashed in and like things got crazy there. So they ran away and went to the only place they could think of nearby, which was the bowling alley. And Anna's like, how did you guys even get in? Did you break in? They're like, no, the back door was unlocked. And they're like, she looks at John like, you didn't fucking lock up. You he's had like, one job. He's like, no, that's the cleaning lady's job. Although she might have been concussed. <laughs> so. That's fair. Yeah. So they are trying to do research, looking at things, because um, internet and things are still working. Right. So the news is rolling in. People are taking evacuation selfies. Like we're getting news about what celebrities are uh, zombies now, like, we're watching chaos unfold in real time. Much of how we have the past couple, like, national, international crises in our actual reality. Uh, like, the way things happen now is we get a push notification that the queen has died or something wild. Or everybody needs to stay in their home because of a global pandemic. Right, like, there's an airborne virus that kills you within a matter of days. Don't leave your home casual and we find that out like via twitter yeah so that's what's happening here which i think is 
a neat time capsule of the way crises happen now, but is also very, very dark. <laughs> neat is a very kind word. <laughs> we find out that Justin Bieber is a zombie. Um, and then we get this back and forth between Chris and John, like, oh, Who else is do you think Robert is a zombie? Downey Jr.? What about this person? What about no, this person? No, he's got guards. He couldn't possibly. And then Chris is like, what about Taylor Swift? And John just is like, Tay Tay's fine. Why would you even say that? And then you like also <laughs> get to see that Steph and Anna are like, oh my God, I wonder if Paris is still standing. I wonder, like. Right. The girls are having like really deep discussions about like, do you think like society and civilization will still exist? And the boys are like, do you think Robert Downey Jr. is like in a hot tub with girls right now? Or. Or like what? <laughs> Who would be the, the celebrity that like you would mourn when you found out they had turned? Oh my God! You know who mine would be? Hmm. Oh, I just thought of this. Kelly Clarkson. Oh. Oh, devastating. America's sweetheart. I couldn't handle it. Oh, okay. Because normally my answer for these things is Betty White because I yeah, I love well, her so much. And she escaped. She got out under the wire. Bless. I'm glad <laughs> that she did not become a zombie. Um, I probably would be like, oh no. If Megan Mullally or Nick <gasps> Offerman turned oh, no. and the other one didn't. Oh my God. Can you imagine? I just love the two of them and their relationship so much. And I understand that like I am, I am but a civilian and they are a celeb. And right. So I mean, they don't weird. know we exist, but God, that would be so hard. Right. Normally my answer is Angela Lansbury. Oh. Um, but, uh. You know what we can combine on? Hmm. Julie Andrews. <gasps> Oh my God! Not our grandma! Not our grandmother! That would be so much. I don't know. I don't know if I would. There's a couple of them that like, like Ariana Grande, Carly Rae Jepsen. You know, like there's a handful of them that I would be like, oh no. But not like, gasp, clutching pearls. Right, like the ones that would devastate me. Yeah. Yeah, like Kelly Clarkson, Julie Andrews is another good answer. Yeah, rough. Guys tweeted us, who would you be upset if they turned into a zombie? A celeb. Don't be like, my mom. Dumb. <laughs> All of us would be sad about our moms. Well, most of us at least. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Maybe they have some weird shit like Steph does. Yeah. Maybe you've got some real baggage. I don't know. I don't, That's I don't, not I don't my know. business. I don't but, uh... um... So the girls are in the bathroom, like, breaking down. And they hear something? And they open a bathroom stall. It's Mrs. Hinsman. The cleaning lady that was supposed to lock the back door. She's dead. And they're like, oh, Mrs. Hinsman? And she, like, slowly, like, rolls her head up and she's fully a fucking zombie. Yeah. It's it's gruesome, like, crazy colored eyes and mottled skin. And, like, she's she's fully zombified. I do enjoy the zombie look in this movie. I do, too. I think it's really creative. Yep. And it's, like, reminiscent of Evil Dead and also Night of the Living Dead. Like, it's got bits and pieces from kind of a lot of iconic zombie looks, but it manages to be unique. And I think the thing that I really like about it is it more so keeps the humanity, like, the humanness of a person... Oh, sure. As opposed to, like, the rotting flesh and, like, the jaw hanging off and, like, that kind of vibe. Right. It, yeah. It's still... Which is good because, like, these zombies have not been zombies long. Yeah, that's which the I thing is, is we find out a lot closer to the end, but there's a line about, like, how quickly the virus moves. Yep. So, like, yeah, these are fresh bodies. Like, they haven't decomposed. They're just 
not living and also animated. Right, right. Um, Steph wastes nary a moment. She dives in and, and like, like, fully kicks this bitch in the chest and slams her head on the toilet seat several, several, like, slams this toilet seat shut. Steph, like, decapitates Mrs. Hinsman with a toilet seat. Camp. Casual. (laughs) It's really intense. Like, Steph gets right to it. Because... And she's like, huh, okay, that's handled. And then the guys from the bachelor party the night before, like, busting through the wall. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they have zombies in the bowling alley. Yeah, so now we get this really fast-paced, like, really intense battle scene of, like, the four teens who are in the bowling alley battling this group of zombies. And Steph, again, just, like, racks up the kill count. She, like, gets one guy, like, through the head with a spatula, and, like, I mean, she's really going for it. She knocks out, like, three people in this scene. Yeah, Steph's like, oh, I've got it. I have a built-up rage, and I get to just take it out on these beings? Great. Let's fucking go. Here we go. So, they're busting skulls, and Chris, at one point, had said, like, you need to get their brains just like in the movie. So, you need to, like, bash their skulls. That's how they're going to be dead. So Steph is really enjoying herself. People are freaking out. <laughs> a head fully pops off and like comes like back through like the bowling, like where the bowling balls pop back out. Yeah, yeah. Because one of the zombies gets like thrown down one of the bowling lanes and like his head gets severed by the thing that clears the pins. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really leaning into the the zombie fight scene here. It's it's good. It's creative deaths. They're like very funny and campy and again, like very like corn syrup blood gore. And Chris turns out is a huge, huge horror movie fan. And he does this precious thing where he like tries to connect to one of them. He's like, hey, can you hear me? Can you understand me? Like trying to see if there is still humanity humanity in there. there. Um, There's fucking not. uh, Steph (laughs) fully uh, marks that guy. Yeah, because he tries to eat Chris in response to the question. Like, there is no... Right. The zombies are zombies. There's no going back. There's no saving them. But let's put that question to rest. We flash over at the school, and Gran is having some problems. Right. Gran has a heart condition, we find out. Right. And Gran, like, Lisa is asking Mr. Savage, is there anything we can do for her? And because Gran was like... The doctors can't even fix this, honey, so I don't know that anybody here is going to have anything or right. do anything for it. Her and Savage have this really intense exchange, and it's literally a matter of six words. Yeah. Because he's like, well, what do we do in these types of situations? And Lisa says, we help each other. And Savage says, we prioritize. So let's break that down real quick. That's eugenics. It is. That is the practice that a certain part of the population is more useful, more profitable, more human than the rest of us. Right. And that percentage of the population that is less useful, less profitable, is disposable. That we should and can get rid of them. Because they count those kinds of people as baggage and right. not human. When you hear, when you hear, especially from places of power, referring to a certain demographic as a burden, that's eugenics. Here's why eugenics is terrifying. Eugenics is the quintessential building block 
of the Holocaust. Yep. Eugenics was used to justify the extermination of whole races of people, whole demographics, based on whether or not they were useful or good or right or beneficial to the human race. Eugenics is bad. Always, period, no ifs, ands, or buts. Eugenics is bad. So being that this is an English musical, that sentence, we prioritize, is a huge red flag and a huge dog whistle that, like, not only is Savage, like, an incredibly unlikable character with some kind of inferiority complex and a real thing for power, he's also, like, full-fledged, no-holds-barred, a Nazi. Yeah. And that reality sits a lot closer to home for European audiences than it does for American audiences. And I don't think the line necessarily reads the same to us that it would in an English audience, but that's what it means. Right. What they're saying is, this man is a Nazi. And I also want to circle, this is where I want to circle back. The reason he hates Steph so much is because she's very anti-establishment. She's very interested in exposing the holes in government programs and the way we take care of each other. And that is directly antithetical to Nazi ideology. And she's queer. And she's queer. Like openly queer. So it occurs to me now that we're like discussing this, and this is maybe the first time I've really thought about this. He's got a lot of Hitler qualities. Yeah. Like, whoa. And there's more things that pop up later. I wonder if that's an intentional allegory or not. I'm not sure, but it sure do be there. Yeah. Oof. Not to get really dark and heavy really fast, but like, that's what that line means. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss past that. Nazis are always the bad guy. You can argue with the wall. No one's interested in why you think Nazis might be worth listening to. They're always the bad guy. They want people dead. For no reason other than they are not what they think a person should be. Yeah. Gross. Oof. Listen, my grandfather fought Nazis and so will I. Yeah. I'm not afraid to punch a Nazi in the face. Eat shit. So this is the the beginning of sort of a really harsh tone shift as we move into the next musical number. Because what we find out is that the sun is setting on our first day of zombie apocalypse. The four teenagers are still at the bowling alley. Everyone else is still at the school and bombs start going off. We start hearing on the news that like help isn't coming. Cell service starts to cut out. People are starting to get isolated. The power goes out because of the explosions happening. And we get the number human voice. This song leads us through a really firm tone shift that like we are very quickly moving out of act one and into act two of, like, things are getting very serious. Yeah. The tone shift gets dark. Human Voice is a really, really pretty song. It's stunning. And so if you just listen to the lyrics, and this song could, like, be taken out of this and put somewhere else, too. I think so, too. I think it's a really great standalone song. Yes. And it's about wanting to actually make real human connection and wanting to actually hear from someone and not just through screens and not just through this, that, the other thing. It's the fear of isolation. Right. But what it does without the, without the words, but with the meaning and with the visuals that we get is it's, they, they do have people around them, but they don't know that the people that they care about 
if they're alive, if they've been turned into zombies, if they're in a safe place and they want to be able to hear that human voice because they're wanting to make that connection and make sure that they're okay. Yeah. They want to make sure that their people are okay because everybody that we have met and, and are with in this have other humans with them. They're not like the only person, but there's other people that they're concerned about that they can't reach out to. Yeah. And Steph and Chris even have an exchange with each other about like, we have to go to the high school. I don't know about what about B and Lisa and Steph's like, they're okay. And Chris is like, you don't believe that. You don't believe it. I know you don't. You think, you think we're already done. Overnight. They sleep. They all sleep in the ball pit together. There's a ball pit at the, at the bowling alley, by the way. Yeah, it's just, it's like it's an inflatable large, kitty tub. Yeah, it's like a, a slightly larger inflated kitty pool full uh, of multicolor balls. balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just how fun. So they slept in it. They slept in it so that way, like the zombies couldn't, couldn't see find them. them. Yeah, it was a sort of camouflage. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty smart. It's clever. It's pretty smart. So they wake up and they're like, okay, so what's the plan? What are we going to do from here? We should get to the school because that's what we were told to do. That's where the army is going to come get us. We need, we need to head out. How are we going to do that safely though? And they're like, just slightly peek outside what's going on out there. And then you just see a bunch, a bunch of army guys. Yeah. So this really, this really puts the period on it that, like, help is not coming. The army that was meant to evacuate them, they, they're toast. And I think something that I want to include in here is there are certain jobs that people have made people out to be that are in these jobs larger than human, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people have done that to police officers. Some people have done that to firefighters. Some people have done that to people in the military. And the thing that some people forget, they are just humans. They're just people. They're just humans. Some of them might've had some different flavors of training outside of that. They are just humans. So my thing is like, you think of, oh, the army is going to come and save us. You mean a group of humans is going to show up and hopefully not get turned into zombies? Right. I mean, what do they have on you? Bigger guns and, like, stronger communication circuits. Like, that's really it. Yeah. And they have larger vehicles to move people. Right. So that's, I mean. But they're just people. Right. And not saying that those things wouldn't be beneficial in this situation because they obviously would be. Well, for sure. But thinking that we're going to be saved by them because of the establishment that they work for and not thinking about the fact of like what happens if they can't because again, they're humans. The fatal flaw people so the kids decide that they have to go to the high school anyway because even if they weren't evacuated people will still be there exactly and that's where people were told to meet up so they're like discussing how they're gonna do this and then chris comes up with a plan chris's big idea was to flip the ball pit over and use the pool as like a... Like a like turtle a, shell. Like a turtle shell guard 
where they could like drop to the ground and be fully covered at a moment's notice. It's a bad idea. I think it's kind of smart. Okay. If it's, if it, at this point, they haven't been able to like find any weapons. Sure. They haven't like. The zombie's vision seems to be very like movement based. Yep. Movement. And if they hear sound. Yeah. So like, I get it. You're doing your best with what you have, but I also think it's a terrible plan. Right. So during this time, Chris is asking questions, uh, trying to keep the mood light. They're like playing car games to pass the time. <laughs> Shag Kill Mary is like yeah. the one that they're playing. Shag Mary Kill. Yeah. And it's, he poses the question to Steph and is like, all right, Steph, what a, between the three, who would you for zombie Miley, zombie Rihanna, and zombie Beyonce. And Steph's just like... Kill them all, they're zombies. He's like... <laughs> he's like, no, like, you have to play along. Like, play no, the game. No, Steph, like, Steph is the only one with a brain on this entire fucking time. I know. And she starts... She's like, okay, well, I guess I would marry Beyonce... And John interrupts and is like, you'd kill Rihanna? She's like, I did not, not say that. That's not what I said. And he was like, well, of course you're going to fuck. And then, oh my God, there's a zombie. He was going <laughs> to say, of course you're going to fuck Miley. Well, of course you are. Don't be stupid. I mean, but also, wouldn't you? It's too much. It's too much for me. I can't make the decision. Me either. Don't Mm-mm. make me. Mm-mm. So they drop down. Um, They're trying to wait out these zombies, and one of them fully sits on top of the tub, on top of Steph. On top of Steph's head. And Chris is very smart in that he uses his phone to, like, see what's going on out there instead of... Sticking his head out or something stupid. Anna. (laughs) So, and then the zombie starts pissing on her? Yeah, uh continuity question do zombies have bodily functions do they piss and shit (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) but do they Uh, i mean no that's the whole point like i just oh my god i just do Do they piss and shit (laughs) pissing i mean she does she sits down and pisses on her and they're like, it's just, it's just, pl- it's plastic. You're okay. And she was like, it's, it's warm, warm plastic. plastic. I, I don't blame her. Um, and then like Anna fully lifts up her side, like fully lifts it. Yeah. Up her side of the inflatable pool thing. And then two zombies fucking see her. And she's like, oh, whoops. And one like, of them's got back. his legs ripped off and is like ground bound and starts crawling towards them. And they're like, oh no, they know we're here. So the zombies start converging on the tub on the pool thing, and then they hear, like, a sudden commotion, and the the top of the pool is hit with just, like, a bucket of blood. Just a bucket. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? And the pool ends up getting flipped up off of them. And they're like, and they're, <gasps> But it's okay, because it's actually Nick and his boys, and they have gathered weapons and have become sort of a, a squad of sorts. Yep. They are zombie hunters and they're not running away from things and they're also looting which by the way at this point are you kidding 
How else are, what, you want me to pay for it? Right, like, John kind of raises the question, he's like, oh, you've been looting? Really? Which, like, morally, no, you probably shouldn't, but also, like, society has crumbled. Like, I don't know. What did you want Almost me to do? everyone is a fucking zombie debt. Do you want me to keep going to work? And do you want me to, like, right, pay like, for my items? The city doesn't have power, John. What, did you want me to stop at McDonald's to grab lunch today? We had to eat. If you don't eat, you die. If you die, you become a zombie. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah, I just, there was, yeah, there was stuff with that. And I was like, listen, listen, they needed to do that to survive. It's not like they were killing living people to go loot. Right. I don't know. It seemed like a weird complaint. But another group of zombies rounds the corner and converges on them. And the boys fire up their weapons and we sing a soldier at war. Yep. Um, they are also a bop also a bop because we get this thing of like, Hey, Nick, I'm surprised that your dad wouldn't have like gotten you out of here by now because his dad works for the military. Right. And he's like, he's at the base and he's like, which is code for like, he died. Yeah. And he's like, he's at the base. He left me. It's fine. And Anna apologizes because she understands that, like, when when Nick says he's at the base, what he means is the military are zombies now. My dad is dead. Right. So we get this number. They're killing zombies. They're having a gay old time doing it. Um, They're also slightly unhinged because they're, like, playing around with the zombies before they murder them. Yeah, they have a lot of fun with it. And, like, it does give us some really gratuitous, like, fun deaths out of the zombies, which right. is cool and interesting and fun for a zombie movie, but also, like, boys. Yeah. I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to put that away. Like, it's really unsettling. Yeah. So, also, I didn't much care for Nick's upper register. <laughs> I wrote, Nick's upper register is not fun. That was the kindest way I could put it. It's because he goes into hit like his falsetto yeah several times during that number yeah it's not good though and i'm like that's a choice yeah that was a choice to do yeah it was not fun to listen to no so they so they decide that they're gonna go as a group together and they're going to head to the school flash over to the school mr savage has created a 12 point plan all of the other adults are like no, we have to leave. We have to leave. Help is not coming. They're not coming. We need to get out of here. Like, we all have cars. If we find other people that haven't been bitten, like, maybe we can pick them up. Like, let's get our, let's be our own saviors. Let's get us the fuck out of here. Right, like, we have provisions. We're in a safe place. Like, we need to come up with a plan and, and get mobile. And Savage just, like, is looking at his 12-point plan. He's like, no, there's rules in place. There's a reason for these things. There's a da 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 And he and has, like, a hissy fit and meltdown. And you just see him snap. Yeah. He gets real crazy behind the eyes. And then we flip back over to the kids. And they're, they're walking and chatting. Anna and... John are talking about the future and the fact that John's like, well, now you don't have to leave. Now that you can't leave, you know, you're going to be here and we can, I don't know, figure out our life. And she's like, you're my best friend. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, no, 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 no. You're my best friend. And we get this double talk moment of like, you're my, you're my subtext, just best friend. Right. And he's like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Rough. Fine. 
And she is still holding out hope that after all of this, life can go on just as it had before and she can still go travel and he's going to go to art school. and mm-hmm. um, Like there's still a way out here. Right. And John's like, okay. There's not though, babe. There's I not. Don't, it's not going to happen for us. I, I, I don't understand. I'm just going to let you have this. Fine. So they decide that the fastest way to the school is to cut through this tree farm. This Christmas tree farm. Which is like inside a building. It's dark. It's like a it's like a dark inside forest. Yeah, and they're like, "This is a terrible idea." And they're like, "If we don't cut through here, we're not going to get to the school before dark, though." Which is like a million times more dangerous. So we're so not doing that. Either we just cut through this building of dark for a brief moment, so we can get to somewhere that's potentially safe before actual dark comes, or, or... we will probably die on the streets tonight. Yeah. So they all arm themselves and Anna picks up a lawn decoration that's like a giant candy cane with a spike at the end of it so you can like stick it into the ground metal it's such a good weapon of choice for this particular film oh, i'm yeah. in, i'm obsessed with it do you have a weapon of choice that you would that you would use during a zombie apocalypse if it's slow zombies it would probably be something like a bat because it's a rounder edge, it's not like a it's not like an axe that's gonna get stuck in. That's totally true. You know, so like if you what have a good to think point. you have to think about like rounded edges because you're just needing to bash their heads. That's yeah. it. I don't know if I would pick a long range weapon or a short range weapon. Like I used to be kind of decent at archery when I was a Cub Scout. Yeah, same. So maybe I would pick up something like that. Because again, I th- I think if I can get to like an outpost somewhere. But then you need to make sure that you have enough arrows and things like that. Well, yeah, but you're going to have to make provision runs anyway to get, like, food, water, clean clothes. That's true, and you can just, like, pull them back out of people's heads. Exactly. So I I feel like I would probably end up going with a long-range weapon like that. But a short-range weapon, I would probably pick, yeah, like a metal bat or, like, maybe something with a a bit of edge to it, like a hockey stick maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, you know, something along, or golf clubs. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Golf clubs tend to bend pretty easily, so maybe a bat's more effective, but I don't, I also think I would choose a blunt weapon and not like a blade. Yeah. But probably I would end up with something long range. Valid, valid, valid. I'm also not a very front lines fighter type of person. No. Please, <laughs> please don't put me on the edge of battle. I am happy to, like, tend to the wounded, take care of the sick. Like, I'm happy to be uh, recuperation and repair squad. Support. Yeah, please don't put me on the front lines. I'm happy to defend us from a tree where I am physically safe from harm. <laughs> of course, that means that once I'm fucked, I am absolutely fucked. Yeah. But, you know... That's the apocalypse, baby. Hey. <laughs> um, so they all arm themselves and they go into this shed and like things are kind of okay. Things are okay. Kind of fine. Chris is using his phone to film everything so that way he gets stuff on film, but also he's using it because then he can like zoom in on things to and see. And he can see around corners before they take them and like he's exactly. using it like a like a sort of extension of his own eyes, which is very smart. It's it's a very smart move. Um, and he points something out because he's like, uh, what the fuck is that? And then Anna and Nick go over to it and it's some creepy lawn gnome. Yeah, it's like a Mrs. Claus lawn gnome with glowing red eyes. That also speaks. Why is that a decoration that exists? No one needs that. 
No one needs that. Like, pre-zombie apocalypse, what on earth did you need a tiny demon Mrs. Claus for in your garden? I don't know. What the fuck? I don't know. So then they let their guard down, which of course was a fatal like, mistake oh, because okay. like the very next corner they round. There's just like, they're sitting there and they're like, oh, okay. But they've made sound now. Yeah. Because they've like set off this little animatronic thingier. And a person dressed as an elf fully jumps out at one of Nick's friends and throttles him to the ground and bites him. Yeah. So we, so they're moving through, they're trying to, they're panicking because they're wanting to make sure that they still have their group, but they need to keep moving forward so they don't get fucking killed, like eaten. Yeah. Um, and then Nick like stops and looks back and sees his two friends had been turned. Yeah. So like one Which was again eaten. Is, this is an indication of how quickly this happens. Exactly. It's it's minutes, minutes. ago. It's minutes. Um, Chris at one point had dropped his phone and he went back for it, and then Steph like saves him by smacking a bitch, and she's then they go over to they lock the doors, they go over to this tent area, and they're taking a breath and like processing what the fuck just happened. And Steph goes to Chris and is like, why did you do that? Why did you go back for that? It is glass and plastic. And Chris is like, it's not, though. It's every memory I've made in the past, like, however many years. It's every photo and video I have. Like, these are the people that I care about who may or may not be dead right now. It's all I have left of them. Yeah. And like, God, fuck it. This was like the line in the sand where all at once I was like, oh no, I care about all of them so, so deeply. This exact, like this, this chunk in time, I'm like, oh fuck me. I'm emotionally invested. And like even Nick who like is a douchebag, but like he just lost all of his friends. Like all three of his mates just died in there. Well, and you can, you can connect to it a little bit like this side of the pandemic because when we all were locked in our homes and like not seeing people and things like that, I looked back at a lot of shit. Yeah, me a lot too. Of photos, oh my gosh. A lot of things, a lot of memories in that way to be able to still connect with things that had happened. Yeah, to hang on to your relationships because you couldn't see anyone. Oh my God. Uh, so, like, I get it. And it, it, again, it's just really, it's really introspective writing. It makes us invest in the characters quickly. Yeah. We've known them for, what, 40 minutes? Yeah. And it's... I'm so invested in all of them. Ooh, hoo, hoo. So they're heading out because they need to keep moving. Got to keep trucking. They got to keep moving. And John and Anna are having this cute moment, and they're discussing the reindeer. And John's like, I remembered all of them. And then he goes through them, and he's like, ta-da. And throws and like, out his hand. Throws out his hand, and just around the corner... It happens so quickly. Like, John finishes it's the list. So he throws fast. out his hand. Oh, we've all fully let our guard down because they've just made it through this forest. And, like, John just gets bit on the back of the hand. And, oh, my God. It's horrific. And John's like, okay. The way John crumples and, like, he doesn't, he won't look up at Anna as she's, like, slowly coming on the realization that like oh no we need to leave him because we have he to leave bit. him behind and she won't she like she at she, one point she makes the decision she's like no get up you're coming with us and then john grabs her and a form a mob of zombies has formed in front of them like between john and anna and the rest of their group and john wraps himself around anna and forces himself backwards through this group of zombies and then turns around and releases her back at her friends so that way she doesn't get bit 
and the zombies like just just clamor on top of him it's it's a doggy pile and he just gets and, and you see like his hand shooting up oh my like, god and he gets eaten and you hear his screams oh john's end eviscerates me i fully sobbing i hate this and so anna is screaming no and is like beating on because nick is the one that then grabbed her right from that nick is holding her, her and is like we have to go and she's like no we can't leave and she's him like she's hitting, freaking she's out she's like hitting him and all of this and then steph just grabs her by the fucking collar and is like your dad is waiting for you which is so important because again we've already established that steph just fully doesn't believe that no and the sincerity and like this strongness because all she says is your dad's waiting for you because she could have, and again, this is about the writing. Because oh, it's so well written. Because she could have Fuck. done this whole thing like, no, you need to come with us because your dad's waiting for you and we need to get out of this. And da, da, da. No, it was very short clipped. Your dad is waiting for you. And then she had this moment of clarity of, Buck, you're right. There's nothing we can do. We need to go. And she just fucking. You see the switch flip in her brain. Because also great acting in this moment. There's more zombies now that they have to fight their way through, now that they've kind of attracted a crowd. You know, they've made all this noise with with John screaming. Yep. So they have to battle their way out of the building again through more zombies. And like Anna just fucking She grabs that candy cane, just There's a zombie whack, Santa. Whack. There is. Oh man. She's just beating the fuck out of these zombies left and right. Nick's not even getting a chance to hit one. At one point she like wallops the cane all the way around her head to get some momentum and that she gets a full circle in and then crashes it against someone oh she's really going for it she is she's like nope i'm on a mission now we're done now there's no point unless i get to my dad yeah i mean it's a lot she really goes whole hog and again like this movie from like i would say from i need a human voice to the end of the film just gets progressively one shade darker tonally, like every ten minutes. God fuck does it. Like Holy every cow- shit. every corner we come around, everything gets a little bit darker. Yep. So they get to the school, and it's funny because there's this juxtaposition of them, like they bolted into the school. They're covered in blood. They've clearly been beaten the fuck out of zombies, and they run into Mr. Savage, who's just like sitting at a desk with a napkin in his, you know, in his collar, and they're like what are you doing? He's like, I'm eating my Christmas dinner. And they're like, okay, well, there's like a whole zombie apocalypse thing going on. Um, can you take us to our parents or, and he's like, yes, of course. And just calmly gets up and walks them to the cafeteria. And he opens the door and lets them in and shuts the door. And then once they're inside, they turn and see everybody in that room is a zombie. Savage is such an absolute psychopath. And then they're like, oh, fuck. And then they go to back out. He's locked them inside. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sadistic. Yeah. So then they're very quiet because they they know that, like, sound will trigger them. So they're trying to find... Right. So if they can skirt by unnoticed... Physically, they and get won't out a different door, <laughs> right? Um, and then they get to this great thing where it's like the roll up, right? Like where you would serve the food right. from lunch lady to student, right? Um, and they're looking at him, and he's there watching this happen. They're like, 
what in the fuck are you doing? And he was like, you know, this is my school. And then he says something else, and then he blows a whistle. Which, of course, attracts all the zombies. So then they're fighting for their fucking lives. He starts singing a fucking song. He sings a song, the grossest song ever. And I it's, hate that he gets a song. So first of all, it, so it's called Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now. I hate his singing voice. And I that's, do too. And it's just, it's a bad singing voice. Yeah, it's not good. I... I don't think it's meant to be good. He's meant to be repulsive. Job well done, but I hate it. it and the physicality he does, it's <laughs> like he's <laughs> getting <laughs> off on killing his students this way. Yeah. I mean, it's really... It's Not to so beat that gross. whole Nazi thing over the head again, but like, wow, oh wow. Guys, it's bad. So they end up busting through that thing. They like busting the lock and then crawling out of there and slamming it shut. So the zombies are still locked in the cafeteria. They just barely make it out, but all four of them get across the counter and they're safe. So the four of them split up. So Steph and Chris go to get um, Steph's car keys because if they can get inside of a car, then they're Gucci because the zombies are slow. Right. Anna and Nick then take off to go find her dad. As Steph and Chris are walking down the hallway, Chris stops and is like, oh, that's Lisa's song. Because he hears like a little little bit of it. And they go and they follow this sound to the supply closet and they open the door. And there's Lisa and B, Gran. Yeah. Lisa is like kneeling next to Gran's body. Yeah. And Lisa doesn't turn for a minute. Oh my God. Which is... Such a devastating moment because, like, she's unaware at this point that there are other live people in the building. So the fact that Lisa doesn't spring up into action or try and defend herself in any way when she hears the door open means that she had just, like, fully accepted that whatever came to her next was going to kill her. Yeah. She was just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And then Chris says, Lisa, and she turns and she's like, oh, my God. You know, like, and then she's like, there's hope. She's... You know, they kiss, they hug, they this, they that, of course. Um, and then we find out that earlier when the adults were talking about leaving and you see this, like, snap inside of Savage, it turns out that he opened the fucking doors to the high school and let zombies in to kill everyone else in there because they did not want to follow his plan. What the fuck? I mean, I just want to be clear that, like, this is how intense Nazi allegories should be. Yeah. When we talk about the horrendousness that was the Holocaust and the people that made it happen and why they made it happen, how they made it happen, the steps that came before it, this is what it looked like. This is what it was. This is what they did. When people disagreed with them, they turned the threat on those people. Like, the allegory is so deep and all-encompassing. And again, I think it's because this is an English show. Right. But, like, holy shit. And the fact Oh, my God! And the fact that, like, that's, like, that's not something that happened overnight. It was a slow slow gradual build to right. something absolutely horrific. They're not just finance bros who don't like agree with you on Twitter. Yeah. No. Nazis it's... are not just like people who shave their heads, guys. Like this this is what Nazis are. Yep. 
And whether you see that from them or not, that's what they are. Yep. So we also find out, um, because Chris is like, oh, it's Brand's here. And she, Lisa, has to break the news that they ran after the doors were opened. and And B's heart couldn't take it. And so she got her comfortable and she passed. Oh, my God. Sobbing again. And then there's this moment that Chris has that he's like, well, I'm glad that she didn't have to turn into one of them. I'm glad that this is the way that she had to go. And then he oh goes and he has this moment with his grandma. And I was like, like, I just had this moment with a grandparent. Oof. Oh, God, the weight of that. I was like, I feel personally victimized by this film. <laughs> um. So she has passed. They, he has this very sweet moment and they're like, okay, all right, time to go. Onward and forward. Yeah. Um, then we flash over to Nick and Anna and they're looking for her dad and they confront their shit together. Yeah. There's like a little scene where we get, this scene is also really, really good writing because it we is. get like backstory that explains why Nick and Anna's relationship is so strained that it turns out that they broke up after they had sex for the first time. And Nick was like, I didn't tell anybody we had sex. Like, I I know you think I did, and that's why you're mad at me. But I didn't, so I'm sorry. And she was like, it's not, it wasn't, what are you talking about? It's not It wasn't about the sex, you idiot. I don't care that we had sex. I care that we talked about our future together, that I shared really intimate, personal details about my life with you. And then you broke up with me like none of it mattered. Yep. Like, it had nothing to do with the fact that we hooked up. I don't care that we did that. I care that I was vulnerable with you, and then you... You shit all over it. Right. Like, I. that's what matters. And he was like, oh, okay, well, sorry. And she's like, oh, my God, why do you not care about anything ever and this and the other thing? And in this, we find out that Nick had to kill his dad. Yeah. Like, his dad got bitten, turned to him and handed him a gun and was like, a bat, the bat bat that he's been using. Don't disappoint me for once. Don't disappoint me. Which like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he had to bash his father's head in. Yeah. Oh my God. And like, it's just a small scene, but we get so much backstory and character development in the same like conversation. Because, like, Nick then breaks down, and he's he's vulnerable in this moment. They come together a bit, and not in, like, a romantic way, but in, like, a... In a human I way. See, I see you. Yeah. Kind of way. Because um, I think a romantic way would have just fucking killed it. it would I think not so, have too. Been... I think so, too. It would have been the wrong direction, and right. it would have been tonally incorrect for the movie, but that's not what happened. It was right. a really genuine human connection. Right. So... Zombies end up coming in and Nick, like Anna's ready to fight them with Nick and Nick like shoves her out of the way and starts distracting the zombies to come over by him. And he's like, go find your dad. He sacrificed himself. And she's like, absolutely. Fuck. Okay. I'm just going to go find my dad. Um, I love a redemption arc. And I thought this was a really, really great moment for his character. Not forgiven, still a douchebag, but like, Right. I love this moment for him. Right. Then we see that 
Steph, Lisa, and Chris are almost to Savage's office where her keys are. And there's a bunch of zombies in this teacher lounge. Right. So there's like a smaller office at the other end of this room. And they have to somehow get across it. So Steph sneaks in and like sort of quietly sidesteps all the zombies. Some of whom are like distracted by by garland and tinsel there's, in the there's room. There's this one that like turns and uh, Chris thinks that he's going to have to go and they're going to have to go fuck up some zombies. To save Steph because she's like hiding under a table right next to this zombie. Right. And Lisa stops and is like, no, look. And the zombie like gets distracted and is like looking at the tinsel and is like mesmerized by it. And I don't know what it is, but I thought that was such a tender moment. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it's I think it's because there's we do get these small small moments of like somewhere deep inside there there is still a human but they can't come back from where they're at. Yeah. But they still have these very small moments like that of like looking at the tinsel and and there's oh, like Oh, what a sweet moment with like the representation of like the wonderment of humanity. Mhm is encapsulated so purely in Christmas in most instances, I would say. Mm -hmm. So for it to be like Christmas garland, that is the thing that like brings him back to this, like this random zombie. Joy. Right. Oh, mm -hmm. see, it is tender. You laughed at me, but it's tender. Well, I guess I hadn't considered it, but yeah. anyway, Steph makes it all the way to his office and shuts the door, the door behind her. Yep. So she's like, she's going through this box of shit. It's confiscated got. stuff from yeah. other students. Um, and there's like this this um, chisel thing that she ends up using as a weapon at one point. Um, she there's finds a bottle of a whipped bottle cream of vodka. Vodka, and she's like, "Well, I'm tossing that in my fucking bag." <laughs> um, and she finds her keys, and then she's like going through, and she finds this dildo, and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" And then it turns on and starts vibrating. She goes, "Ah!" and drops it. But that alerts the zombies. Right. So the zombies start to drift back towards the office door and Chris and Lisa take action. Yep. They go over to the TV that's in this lounge and plug his phone in and start playing a video, like videos off of his phone. Um, and they get distracted and they go over and they're, and they're not wanting to like attack the TV. They're very like, oh, there's something in them that's like connecting to it again. Yeah. Yeah. It holds all of their attention yep. so that when... Steph opens the door to sneak out of the office. She sees all of the zombies watching the TV and Chris and Lisa are tucked behind it with like their eyes popped over the edge of the screen. Yep. Just like, we don't know how to get out of this, but we had to do something. And Steph is like motioning for them, like get crawl out of get the room. The, get the fuck. So then we have to go now. So they start crawling out. Um, and the moment that I've been waiting for this whole fucking film happens. I, it's been something that I've been waiting for to happen because there's no fucking possible way that this couldn't have happened. Chris's phone goes on low battery mode. And so the video gets shut off. Yeah, because he's been videotaping everything. I thought it when we were in like the inside forest tree farm thing where I was like, how is his camera still functioning? His phone is still on. I would assume based off of who he is as a person that he would have like some sort of solar battery pack that he sure, was charging his phone Or maybe like on. a spare battery that he travels with or something. Yeah. But I was like, my guy, like the power has been out for like 24 hours. Yeah. How on earth did you get here with a full battery that you can still record things? Yeah. Um, but it finally peters out and the zombies lose focus and begin to attack. And in a flurry of 
activity. Chris and Lisa both get bit. And they backtrack and manage to get the phone plugged in and the video starts playing again. But they are on the other side of the horde of zombies now. Steph is by the door. And they both like look at each other and see that each other was bitten and they just accept their fate. And they're and the holding way, each other. The way Steph's face just fucking drops. Yep. Because she knows she has to leave them. And then Chris and Lisa are hugging and Chris looks up and makes eye contact with Steph. And he does this little itty bitty wave because they all silently know that they have to part ways. There's no saving them. Oh my God. I broke so hard. Oh, I'm getting misty now. When he waves at Steph, I'm like, oh my God. In my notes, I literally say, fuck, this is sad. It's so sad. And then you get to see them like, Lisa and Chris are having their last human moments together and they're watching these videos of them and their friends and all of the before times. And Chris says, what do you think? And she's like, I love it. I'm going to cry again. Oh my God. It's so, it's so sad. It's so sad and emotional. Oh my God. I don't know anything about these characters and I love them all so much. It's, it's very intense guys. Oh my God. When I say this movie is sad, I mean, it is sad. Cut to the gym. <sighs> Cut to the gym. So Anna enters the auditorium. Savage is up on the stage and it's like blockaded because there's zombies in there. Yeah, he's and built he himself has, a barricade. He has Tony, Anna's dad, tied up in fucking Christmas lights like some goddamn tied, Bond villain. Tied to a chair. And is just like, oh, glad to see you joining this circus. And like, just. I wish you guys could see the dance that <laughs> Vinny just did. Because well, he has like this top hat that he's like wielding around and he's no, got a he's feather come, boa. He's come unhinged. Oh like, it's... my God. So he like flips on this giant spotlight and it like floods Anna and then the zombies start coming towards her and God, she like. Fuck this guy. She's like, all right. She goes ahead and just fucking whacks a, the zombie closest to her. And then she starts singing this song, Give Them a Show. One hell of a show. And. Oh, I saw the name on the on the doot doot was Give Them a Show. Oh, that's a terrible title for this. Yeah, I know. Should be one hell of a show. I know. All right. Well, I'll get Anna on the phone. Anna, and- we have questions. <laughs> We're going to update the track listing. But she, like, she takes a minute and she puts her hair up. She puts her hair up. And when I tell you that when a white woman ties her hair back, it is the oh. equivalency of, like, women of color taking their earrings off. I just... Shit's about to get real. I just... And she's... So she, like, ties it up. And she's like, all right, time to fucking go. And just starts murdering zombies left and right. And and it's a great number. Also, it's a musical number in the third act. Yeah. Okay, work. We don't usually get those. Um, So she gets up there through, like... Using zombies, like, cr- like walking over them. And it's like a really a ma- cool shot because she kicks a kickball at a zombie's head and he falls over and lands on all fours. And she's, like, created a sort of hallway of zombies through her battle here. And then she runs down the aisle of them and they, like, collapse in behind her. And then she uses this guy on all fours as a stepping stool up onto the stage. I was like, oh, my God. Zombie choreo? Yeah thrilling it was very cool so they get up there and she unties her dad and they're hugging 
and then Savage tries to join them, and he's like, group hug, because oh my God. again... He's just lost it. He... Completely unhinged. Is... I'd... There are words, I'm sure, that can describe this, but they are not my vocabulary, and I just... I don't know that there are words, too. He's really lost it. He's... Mm. He's come un- unglued from reality. Yes. But Dad turns around and wallops him in the stomach instead. And then he's like, then he gets, Savage gets mad again and is like, oh, Shepard gonna fight? <laughs> like some weird fucking Batman villain. Yeah. And so they start fighting and it's looking like he's gonna like shove Dad into the zombies, but then Dad like gets one over on him and it's this back and forth. And then. Savage looks like he's going to stop. And then the dad stands up and is like, oh, okay, cool. And then... Right. I mean, dad has him pinned, like, yeah. hung over the, the barricade, ready to be thrown to the zombies. But dad chooses not to. Yeah, because In he, a very human moment, he's like, I'm not going to be the villain that you are. Right. Um, But then Savage is looking like he's going to do something. Yeah, and he then springs back up, ready to fight again. Anna unleashes this The star, Christmas star from the pageant on and stage. And smacks Savage into, like, the zombies. Yeah, like crowd surfing style. Yeah, and he's, like, laughing and giggling about it this whole time. And then all of a sudden he gets, like, sucked down into them. And they just... Rip him apart. Even his death makes me so uncomfortable. I hate it. Oh my god. Every minute of him makes my skin crawl. Yeah. So we go back over and they're still up on the stage. And we get this moment of like relief. And then the camera pans down and we see that dad got bit. Not dad. He got bit in the leg. No. <sighs> Fuck. Oh, man. So they're hugging again. And, and Anna's like, they, they must be working on a cure. Like, we can, you have to come with us. I can't leave you here. And he's so, like, it, it happens too fast. Because he's. I'm not going with you. He's watched it happen several times over. Yeah. Because he was there when the zombies got led into the school and all of those people that were with them. Yeah. And yeah. dad's like, just this one time, don't argue with me. You have to go. And Nick then they shows hear, back up. Yeah, because they hear like doors rattling on the stage and they're like, oh my God, but it's Nick. Um, and Nick is like, hey, we have to go. And then Anna stops and they like hug. They say their goodbyes, this, that, the other thing. And then she just stops and she looks at her dad and she's like, do you want me to help you? And Nick says, don't. It's one word, but it's- it is so so powerful. It's so powerful because he has been there. He's oh had my to God. do that. And he knows for a fact that you can't ever fucking come back the from that. The subtext is so heavy. The writing is so good. It's, oh, fuck me. And it's oh my just, God. and then they, they hug and they love each other and this, that, and the other thing. And then he, um, he says, Merry Christmas. Anna and she says Merry Christmas dad and that's the last words they say to to each other so to loop back to earlier when I said it it must have been Christmas Eve they were going to work that would have been the 23rd because a whole day passes before the day we're in currently so if today is Christmas then yesterday was Christmas Eve which would make the day that they were like walking and dancing through the graveyard at each other that day would have been the 23rd the 23rd right yep so who knows where they were headed, but that's our timeline officially. Right. 
So she heads out with Nick and they make it out to the parking lot and they're just standing there exhausted and the zombies are like a ways away, but they do see zombies. Yeah. It's a very night of the, of the living dead moment with like the chain link fences and like zombies from every angle getting closer and closer and closer. And we get this, we get a final number here. I love this song. It makes me sob. And it's all about like, so long as I'm alive, there's hope. As long as I stay alive, I will have hope. Yeah. Right. And during this number, which is sad as fuck, um, cause Nick and Anna are waiting for Steph to show up and they don't know who else is going to show up with her. Yeah. They don't know anything that's happened. No. I mean, if she shows up, then they have a, a next step. If they, if she doesn't show up, then they're dead. Yep. You know, it's this really dark moment of like, this is either it or not. And we don't, we don't know. And during this number, we see, like, we see zombie Lisa and Chris, and they walk past each other, and their fingers kind of, like, grip each Brush other. Brush each other, yeah. And then they walk on. Then Ugh. we get this scene of John. Oh! And he's sitting there, and he's, like, fully zombie. And he's sitting there, and then he, like, hits the button on his sweater that causes the Christmas tree on his sweater to light up. And you see him look down at it, and he looks up, and he's smiling. And that's something that brought him so much joy in life. And, like, the lyrics of the song are, like, about finding the light at the end of the tunnel right there in that moment. And, like, then his tree lights up. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. End me. I also want to mention, the blood work through this entire film is very, very good. Very good. But there's a moment right here in the end where, like, both of their weapons are caked in blood. And now it's starting to like harden and dry and darken. And like the blood, like the blood splatter on Anna's face in particular. The continuity. It's so, so good. I. It's very difficult to do, but they keep it really precise the entire time. They do. And again, they like age it. It starts to dry and flake off and like this and that and the other thing. It's just the eye to detail on the blood work is very, very good. There are a lot of really strong design elements in this movie. Yeah. But blood can be really hard to manage. And it's not something a lot of people have a ton of experience with. So to be able to do it well makes a big difference. And it's just really well done here. Yeah. At the end of this number, it starts to snow. And it's... A Christmas miracle. It's almost like that she gets... Anna gets this like moment of peace. Because she's like, ah. Snow is almost snowing. always a metaphor for peace. It's snowing on Christmas. How lovely. And then fucking Steph comes busting through in her little blue vehicle. <laughs> Boom. Saved your life. And they get in and they start driving away. And they're just like, well, where do we go from here? And they're all just kind of like looking at each other. And underneath is a reprise of Hollywood ending. Listen, if you want to know how to properly use a reprise... It's fucking this. Ten stars, no notes. And then we get the zombie Santa again. Uh, oh, there's a jump scare right at the very end before the, cro- red, uh, the credits roll. Yep, blackout, roll credits. Speaking of Steph's, you know what our dear friend Steph made me aware of? Hmm. She was listening to 
the Rocky Horror episode. Oh, okay. About Richard, Richard O'Brien being in it. Yeah. And we mentioned it had happened in Repo 2. I guess Alfred Hitchcock was also in in every movie he ever directed. Oh. So it is a horror genre motif. Well, I love that. I know. I didn't know that. I, ha- I, I had no idea that he was in, in, in everything. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So shout out to Steph for the fun fact. Thanks, girl. Yeah. It was really neat. So speaking of horror movies, what do we rate this one? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have almost nothing bad to say about this movie. I know. So I feel like it's going to get an unusually high score, especially for something that no one's ever heard of. But I want to give it like a four, four, point, four and a half. Yeah, 4.5. Because there's a couple cringy vocal things that happen. Sure. And the penguin scene is too long. Yeah. So 4.5, but I would even do like a 4.75. Like, it's real high for me. A 4.5? Because <laughs> I tried to do that one other time and you told me no. No, you're right. We shouldn't split hairs like that. I'm, I'm comfortable with a 4.5. I just think it's really good. The writing is the writing is phenomenal. And oh, my God. The zombie, and, the zombie design and the blood um, is very good. Really good character design. Good songs. I will say I don't really remember any of them outside of watching the film. Like, I don't listen to the cast recording or, like, hum any of them in my free time. Right. But whenever I rewatch this, the songs feel comfortable. They're catchy. They're engaging. Yeah. They're well-written. They're very introspective. Lyrically, they're very powerful. Again, Human Voice is a really powerful, lovely song. I would even do it with, like, a choir if I ever had the chance. Yep. So 4.5 for me. Shall we give it the bitty test? (sighs) The BD, the Benny Drake. Pass, fail. Don't hesitate. It's a pass. I mean, it's a pass. The one voice we have an objection to still serves its purpose and, like, does something important narratively without being impossible to listen to. Right. And then the upper register of the person. Oh, yeah. Nick's upper I... register is not great. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. He's well, not meant... we can pass it. It's not, like, completely... He's not meant to be likable in that moment. Right. So I don't think it damages the story narratively. And again, it's not impossible to listen to. It's just like amongst everybody else who sings really well. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. 4.5 and a pass, baby. Oof. And so I was able to rent this for like two bucks on Amazon. I just finally bought the damn thing. You watch it every year which makes sense i do watch it every single year because usually it's streaming and then i know this is like never behind a paywall and it was this year which is so annoying but you can rent it on a ton of platforms a ton of them yeah well do you want a christmas cookie oh i this is so sad let me eat my feelings is it a christmas cookie or is it like a halloween trick-or-treat I think. Also, why didn't we call all of the fortune I think cookies? It's a, I think it's a slice of pumpkin pie. Oh. We're in November. We should have called all of the fortune cookies for all, for our spooky month trick-or-treats. Put that on the list for next year. Kelsey, write that down. <laughs> okay, so uh, our quote today is from Agnes Paro, who was a painter but also is a well-known like holiday persona. She was kind of like America's favorite grandmother. And the quote is, what is Christmas? 
It is tenderness for the past, courage for the present, hope for the future. And not only do I love that about Christmas, but I think it kind of encapsulates all three acts of this movie in particular. Yeah. Tenderness for the past, courage for the present, hope for the future. I love that. Oh. And from a grandmother, even. Oh. Such tender sweetness. God. So where can they find us? I'm so emotionally drained. (laughs) This one's a lot. It gets heavy. You guys can find us on Twitter at Backstage BDs. That's Backstage B for Benny, D for Drake, S. Instagram and TikTok at Backstage Biddies or email us at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. Go ahead, rate us five stars, comment your favorite movie musical, um, tell a friend, all of these things, um, and then we'll move what you would like to hear towards the top of the list. And where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Binny Biddy, and you can find me on Twitter at Binny Ann, no E. Where can they find you? You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at Drake underscore Leverance. That's Drake underscore L-E-W-E-R-E-N-Z is in zebra, Drake underscore Leverance. What a time! Ugh. I love watching this one in November. It's such a good in-between musical. It just checks a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, children. I'm gonna I'm but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go watch like an actual happy Christmas film now. It's time to deck the halls. Oh god. Alrighty folks. Um bye. Bye. Delicious.